This week's topic from the book is Q3.6, Persuasion, the Initiation of First Movement. First, compulsive chicanery cannot sustain momentum. Persuasion is the third of the four F3 leadership skills. It is the effective leader's ability to initiate movement towards an advantage that he has first visualized and then articulated to his group. If he has done so competently, the members have a clear understanding of the movement required to achieve the superior condition the leader sees, and they don't like it because they fear it will cause them pain and chaos. Yet, through persuasion, the effective leader convinces them to abandon their status quo even though they want to stay right where they are. Movement must be voluntary, not something the leader initiates through compulsion or a chicanery. If he does that, he is not a leader, but rather a charlatan or a tyrant, or a bit of both. Nudging a man away from his status quo requires patience, skillful argument, and properly calibrated incentives that combine to convince a man that movement, rather than stasis, is as in his best interest. While all men visualize and a few men articulate, only a very few men persuade because the application of reason and argument is a lost art that requires patience and a high degree of skill that can only be obtained from training, practice, and discipline. As a result, most groups don't bother with it, resorting instead to compulsive chicanery to initiate movement. Second, manana is a crack pipe. As we have said, all men visualize and any man can articulate if he is willing to try, although few men do. Even fewer men persuade, although this is also a leadership skill that anybody can learn with persistence. Let's take a man who visualizes a powerful advantage that he diligently articulates to the members of his group of whom movement will be required for the vision to be realized. The people hear the man out with nodding heads and sympathetic grunts of agreement, and yet they will not actually move from the status quo. They may appreciate the advantage, or at least say they do, but still decline to initiate the movement that is required to get there. This is the point at which most men who aspire to lead will quit or resort to tyrannical hucksterism to get things going. What they fail to recognize is the awesome power of inertia over the human spirit. It is the power which manifests itself through procrastination, the crack pipe of manana that can only be broken through persuasion. Finally, incremental movement builds agreement. While inertia is a powerful restraint to movement, persuasion needs only be a slightly more powerful prod to work. A leader is successful if he overcomes a man's hardwire procrastination instinct just enough to initiate some small movement towards advantage. Unfortunately, most men unnecessarily set the bar much higher than that. They see it as a failure if the subject of their persuasive efforts does not immediately leap up and yell, By God, you're right. How could have I been so blind and stupid? I learned this the hard way from trying cases in front of juries. As a young lawyer, I would become so invested in the rightness of my client's cause that I wanted the judge and jury to see it that way too, to the same degree that I did immediately. That, 
I ultimately learned was an impossible goal. I have learned not to expect another man to invest in my vision until he has already begun moving toward it. I see now, in retrospect, the sin of pride in my previous notion otherwise. That pride would lead me to frustration and anger with those who could not or would not fully acknowledge the advantage that I, in my brilliance, had visualized and painstakingly articulated. Since my pride told me that I was right about everything, anyone who did not fully embrace my vision had to be completely wrong. Even, this is the self-defeating part, if they did agree with me enough to initiate some movement. Now, again, in retrospect, I can see what a short step that is from frustrated anger to tyrannical chicanery. With that as an overview, here's the substantive portion of a classic episode of the 43 Feet Podcast with Dread and Dark Helmet talking about persuasion. All right, now that yes. qualifies as a self-effacing parenthetical. I'll so take it. Why don't we go ahead and roll the opening? Good idea. And, and we're, we're back. back. Okay. You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers, and I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. Which right. brings us to the substantive portion of this Indeed. podcast, which is uh, persuasion. Persuasion. Which is uh, the Q3.6, if... You happen to be following along in our idiotic numbering system. Correct. This is right in the heart, middle, or-ish, so of the third quadrant, the lead right, which is the practice of virtuous leadership. Mm-hmm. The statement for persuasion is the initiation of first movement. Yes. Initiation of first movement. Three thought-provoking questions, which we like to call the Socratics first can you lie and bully a man into doing what's good for him? <laughs> yes. Watch. Well, and on one level, that seems kind of rhetoric. I mean, it's right. like, actually, people pretty much do that all the time. Uh, right. Second, what is the biggest obstacle to movement? What is the biggest mm-hmm. obstacle to movement? Um, and third, third, must a man agree before he moves? Now, movement and move being in two of those Socratics, let's go ahead and define it. It's just yes. departure from the status quo. Right. Whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. Right. Yep. Any form of uh, sturridge away from the uh, status quo. So let's pick up the first spur, which is the convenient way to try to remember the things that uh, are within the synthesis of this mm-hmm. particular cue point, again, which is persuasion, the initiation of first movement. I'm kind of a funny bone funny bone in that, isn't it? <laughs> hey. Uh, what does he do in the middle j- of it? He goes. Uh, he, the little call. The, what yeah. does he call it? A callback or something? Callback. You got the boy. You got your right, boy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. That's right. Don't forget uh, your boy Dread here talking about persuasion. Right. 3.6. Tip your wages. Uh, <laughs> so here's your here's your spur. Okay. Yes. Uh, first one. Compulsive chicanery cannot sustain movement. Compulsive. No. Compulsive. Compulsive chicanery cannot chica- sustain movement. Right. It can, it can initiate it. Right. It may get a little bit of movement for yeah. a little bit of time, right? But the word you used was sustain, right? So, problem with compulsion, mm-hmm. right? Making somebody do something is all you do is you might get him to move because he has no choice, but he's going to spend most of his energy thinking about throwing off the yoke of you. Yeah, and then once <laughs> right. he does, he's going to turn back and harm you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Go ahead, turn your back. Right. That's that's yeah. that's compulsion. Right? Yeah. 
you know, uh, I learned to resent you. Or right. I mean, I mean, there's a big difference between jacking up somebody's taxes and trying to persuade them to, to give more to charity. Right. Sure. I mean, you know, one creates anger and resentment right. and the other uh, hopefully instills a giving heart. Yeah. Right. Cheerful giver. Right. Now, chicanery. And that's lying to folks. Get them to do things maybe for their own good. Maybe you have their best interest in heart. Right. right. However, uh, once they find out that you lied to them, you lost them forever. Yeah. All right. You're better off telling them the hard truth, being candid and persuading them to move towards advantage, even though it's hard because right. there's hardness in there. Right. Right. You're better off doing that than telling them a lie uh, because you'll you'll have lost them. So it won't sustain. Yeah. Right. And this brings us to a, a couple of key uh, points that go in persuasion. The first one is argument. Right. Yes. Argument, which we have talked about before. It's the forceful juxtaposition of opposing viewpoints in order to persuade. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're going to persuade, you have to expect argument. Right. Argument is what produces candor. Right? Kind of the thing. That's right. right. Yeah. You expect it. But also, you know, it's a substitute for compulsion, you know. So an argument is, I think you should do this. I don't want to. Here's why. Okay, here's here's why you're wrong or here's why I think you're wrong. Yeah. Argument going back and forth where compulsion looks like this. You'll do it because I told you to. And you'll do it now. Right. Now, are there exigent circumstances, emergencies in which you might use compulsion? Sure. Of course. Get out of the car! But you know, in, that, in that case, you only yeah. desire a short-term. That's right. Right. Uh, a short-term, short-term result, you know, because yeah. because it's an exigent circumstance. Right. Uh, so th- that's true, but that's that's that can't sustain long haul, right? Yeah, that no. can't sustain long haul. All right. Now the second uh, key point we want to define here is incentives. Incentives. That's the method by which desired behavior is induced within a group. You know, mm-hmm. so the best carrots, in, carrots are the best incentive, yeah. right? But sticks oftentimes work well. Figuring out the best combination of carrots and sticks is what makes great leaders, right? Right. Figuring out how to get guys to move because you're offering something that's, you know, in their benefit and sticks. Not so much that I'll hit you with this stick, but here's an adverse consequence that will result from your insistence right. on maintaining yourself here at the status quo. It's really more of a prediction of uh, future negative results than it is a promise to harm someone. You know, okay, yeah, when yeah. When we say sticks, yeah. you know. Uh, so at the heart of all that is, you know, of course, profit. Right, because we want to reward people for achieving movement, right? Right. Profit being a wonderful thing, rewards initiation. And it may not it may not right? be entirely. You know, we're not just paying somebody that not that necessarily that kind of profit, although that could be it. But it's finding a thing that a man values. Yes, that's right. Exactly right. Finding a thing that's uh, you know most important to you yeah. know to a guy. So um, let's just kind of set up to opposing methodologies okay. or organizational systems one we call c3 that's mm-hmm. centrally controlled collectivism right? yes. it's basically right in the middle of a right. large organization or at the top you know a feudal organization yes. that's like set up like a pyramid you got like a czar right yeah who's driving things down he's using compulsion when available chicanery when necessary uh, right, do whatever right. he has to. That's, yeah. You know, that's what we call C3. Yeah. Uh, the other end of the spectrum is individual initiative, what we call I2. So C3, I2, mm-hmm. I2 being, you know, uh, taking action in furtherance of the group's articulated purpose without specific instructions. That's right. He know, knows the mission and right. he finds ways to accomplish that right. without being told exactly what it right. was he was supposed to do. Well, we go into this far more deeply um, right. in, in, as we go forward, but um, I2 at its basic, this is where you introduce the concept. But uh, it requires three things from mm-hmm. a leader. It goes back to the eighty twenty thing. If you're going to get a guy to move, you know, once you've once you've given him the mission, is you got to make sure the mission is clear to make clear the mission. Right. 
Uh, that's why we spend so much time in FDA. Oh, articulation, that. yeah. I mean, I know I bore people to death with that. <laughs> you know, when we, usually, no, but... right, when we go do a grow rock, I usually spend, you know, a big part of the first night, Friday night, ask people if they know what the mission is. I, you know, I'm always heartened that somebody knows it. Happier sure. when more people know it, but right. um, I consider it my job uh, and your job, actually, since you're key yeah. culture, is to make sure people understand what know what the mission is and understand it. Knowing first, understanding second. Right. So you're constantly talking about it, unpacking it. Yep. If you don't know the mission, you can't act in furtherance of it without right. people telling you what to do. Exactly. So right. pretty much everywhere I go, no matter where I'm queuing, right. whatever it is, we typically review those kinds of that's things right. together because that's important for us to remember. No better example than the one you gave for the uh, regional T-Clap today, which is the Iron right. Packs. Yeah. They know the mission. Yep. That invigorates male community leadership. Yep. You know, it's go. You know, goes to all three Fs. First mm-hmm. two are obvious. Third one might be a little bit harder to see, but you can you can see it. Right. It's a great nationwide thing. Love the fact that uh, those guys are down there hitting that, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just perfect within the mission. Now, second component after making clear the mission is to teach people everything you know. Yeah. If if you're gonna if you're gonna hand something off to a guy and you expect him to take initiative, he's got to know how to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you can't bow that Tom him. You can't bow that Tom. You got to keep the light on. All right. So first, uh, make clear the mission set and teach them everything, you know, and third is making sure you reward every example of initial individual initiative, every I two step taken by yeah. a guy, you reward it regardless of outcome. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I remember you talked about that this weekend. Yeah, and we did. Yeah, right. It made me think of, uh, you know, in, in graduate school, we used to, you know, you would train a mouse, right. To press right. a bar for food. Right. And, you know, if you reward him, he'll press the bar. Yeah, you get, If you don't, eh. You get dynamically more yeah. um, of what you reward with carrots yeah. than you ever expected. You get dynamically less of what you punish with sticks than you ever expected. Right. People are... Seems counterintuitive, but... It, it does, but, you know, and a dynamic means explosive. You know, you incentivize and you'll get, you'll get large effects. Mm-hmm. But the I2 um, entity, the I2 governance system is always going to get a lot more... Right, advantage seeking a lot more movement than uh, C three because in C three they just wait to, you know, people just end up waiting for you to tell them what to do. Yeah, well we tried this it didn't work because you told us we couldn't do it so now we'll just wait for you to tell us. So the clearest example we use it here I believe and we use it here in the synthesis in this section is um, the difference between um, Soviet Berlin which mm-hmm. is East Berlin and West Berlin okay. at the end of the World War Two. You right. know so. You know, the Germans end up basically with their backs to the wall. The Soviets make it to one point in Berlin and the Americans make it to the other. And it basically means right. draw a line, right? Yeah. And that line existed on the ground, kind of like uh, kind of like Les Nesman's line on the right. ground in his right. office. <laughs> really, it was fictional from yeah. 1945 until like the early 60s, mm-hmm. right? Until they, they started building a wall. Because yeah, right? they were like, you know. Right. This isn't working how we wanted to. We got to keep these folks in here. Well, the Soviets didn't say that. That would be the truth. What the yeah. Soviets said it was to keep the West from infecting the East. Oh yeah, okay, right. But there, yeah. it wasn't like people were dying to get over there in the East because <laughs> the West was where all the action is. Right. Let's I mean, leave this wonderful cosmopolitan life that we've that's created right. and, right. and now, do a gulag. Within from that point, which is early '60s until late '80s, so 25 years or so, the disparity between the East and the West grew exponentially because yeah. the West was an I two society and right. the, the East was a C3 society. So if you really wanted to see compulsive chicanery at work, man, you just look at the west side of that wall, or the east side of that east wall. Side of the wall yeah. that, that's where it was all happening, and the biggest lie they were telling is this wall is to protect 
the right. people in the east from the you from, know from, from the capitalist people. ideas from yeah. the west and it's like well we've got all the toothbrushes <laughs> and transistor radios you guys right? have you guys have the corner the market cornered on despair yeah so that's right it's your guys trying to get a wall here that you're shooting we're yeah. not shooting them that's right right and that's you're right. not shooting any of our guys trying to get, trying over to get in there right who would do that nobody we'll keep nobody getting. nobody yeah. nobody nobody this ty- tyrannical hucksterism man it just doesn't it just doesn't work it's right w- leaders persuade upwards you know Mm-hmm. Persuade to betterness, to advantage, tip, tyrannical hucksters, compel downwards. Yeah. And uh, the difference is, between, is like between shooting a rifle and throwing a rock. Yeah. You know, when it comes to yeah. leadership. All right. Second spur, and this one is uh, aimed at the Socratic of what's the biggest obstacle to movement. This happens to be one of my particular favorites, which is manana is a crack pipe. Yes. <laughs> spur number two, right? Yes. And this is something that leaders have to be aware of. Um, it's the power, the unbelievable power of procrastination to freeze men in place. Yeah. I mean, there is so much fear and chaos, you know, of, of pain and chaos that yeah. goes with movement. And if you're going to try to get it, you're going to persuade to initiate movement. Then, you know, you've got to know that it's going to be antithetical to what a man wants to do. Yes. Right. He'll give yeah. you every excuse in the world as to why he doesn't want to. Everything. Everything I'm, under the I'm sun. I'm busy. It's, it's, I got uh, too much of this. I got whatever. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was first reading the book of Acts in the Bible, and that's kind of basically Paul wandering around the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. going from little town to little town in, in uh, Asia Minor. And, you know, first thing you do is head up, you know, go to the synagogue because he was a Jew right. and, and say, can I speak? And they say, sure. And he tell them about Brothers. Jesus and all this stuff. That's Guess right. what? He's like, the, the Messiah has come. And it wasn't as if that wasn't preordained. It's what the book of Isaiah says, right? right. So he's telling something that, you know, he's telling something they expected to happen, right. right? The good news is coming. Guess what? This Messiah we're all waiting for is actually here. I've seen him in a dream. I know he's here. And, right. you know, here's right. your, your you know, opportunity to participate in that. And what the book of Acts said is that some people said, hey, you're right. How about that? Thanks for the good news. Other yeah. people said, you're crazy. Let's throw stones at him. That's right. You better get out of but here. But the great majority of people said, can you come back next week? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Now, I, I think that that's a fair response, actually, you know? I mean, given the fact that here's this stranger who comes wandering in, right, mm-hmm. saying, you know, God's actually three gods. Right. And they're like, wait, what? That's right. You know, that God's actually three gods. And you know what? I know we're the chosen people. You know, ah, we're the chosen people. But, but <laughs> God, God, God wants to open the door to the Gentiles, too. Guess what? No, like, wait, what? Like the Gentiles. I know. Gentiles, those guys? Those guys? No, Forget can't it. Be, right? Forget about it. So, you know, they, that was a struggle for these people. And to expect them to be persuaded right out of the chute. Well, would have been crazy, right? Right. And Paul didn't. He just kept at it. They said, right. come back next week, you know. He said, okay. And, uh, you know, then he does. Yeah. You know, you'd expect people to make uh, procrastinate with big decisions. Sure. And that, and that, in particular, would have been a very big decision. That was right? a big... To, to change your right. complete belief system. Yeah, big right. decision. Maybe yeah. the biggest decision, right? But it's funny. People do procrastinate big decisions, as we expect, but they also turn out to procrastinate little ones, too, right? Yeah. Like the decision to get off the couch and turn on the porch light. I know. I'll do that in a minute. I'll do that in an hour, you know? Right. It's just what we do. Yeah. You know, even when we see that this inev- inevitable delay is going to result in something very negative, you know, we still do it because in the heart of man, inertia rules. Yeah. And that's been the human condition forever. And it's the hardest thing because it, 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 half the time I don't even know I'm doing it. Right. You know, like I just know that uh, I just don't feel like doing that, you know, or whatever it is. Right. And so whether I'm actually fart sacking a workout or I'm metaphorically fart sacking some other duty in my life or some other thing I've committed to, it's, uh, 
it is it is the it is the natural state. Yes, it is the natural state, and yeah. it is why you know a man who can persuade other men in movement is so rare. Yeah. It's why virtuous leadership is so rare. You know, we talked about vision. Everybody has some articulation. Sure. Everybody could, could do it, they but don't, most but don't. They, yeah. But persuasion is that rare, rare gift. You know, it's a man who's not only overcome his own hardwired. Mm-hmm. predilection towards inertia that's tough enough yes it is but he's also learned how to influence other people to overcome theirs i mean that's a monumental feat isn't it that is huge that's a yeah, that's a rare huge. guy it's a rare guy you know in this in this sense that him is serving his followers by providing them an external means to break through their own inertia that's how he's doing it it's like i will be the agent of your change like i'm going to give that up right you know right uh to influence right mm-hmm. to influence he must be able to persuade to persuade he has to see himself as a servant right of his procrastinating brother and i mean otherwise he turns into a tyrant <laughs> well he starts right i mean because he starts thinking well I, i'm going to tell you how this does right and, and i'm going to and i'm going to move you and i'm going to say this about tyrannical hucksters you know who engage in compulsive chicanery i don't think they all start out thinking i'm just going to trick people and force them to do stuff i think no you know um generally probably started from somewhere you know theoretically good in their heart right? they're an enthusiast often yeah. they're an enth- a frustrated enthusiast mm-hmm. right who cannot get people to move based on the information they keep providing them, right? right? And they keep trying to do the same thing, and nobody moves. Didn't I tell you, nobody moves, and then they to seek. You know, that's why, you know, I say people kind of try to get into government so they can force people to do stuff. Right. You know, and generally because they they think the things that they want for those people are sure. good things. But, uh, look, yeah. you know, I agree. I think it's obviously easier to to raise people's taxes than it is to persuade them to part with their hard-earned money right. by way of charity. Sure. It's easier. It's just not more effective, right? Nor is it more virtuous. Oh no, certainly not more virtuous. Yeah. But from the very, you know, effectiveness right. standpoint, right? Right. Um, it's it. It just isn't. All yeah, right. You don't find a lot of charity cheats, but you do find some tax cheats. There's a few <laughs> out there, man. All right. Uh, third, yes, uh, is the is the third spur is that incremental movements build agreement. Remember, we see yes. that third Socratic was that uh, must a man agree before he moves? And right. this spur says, actually not. Not not really, no. Not actually not. In fact, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, most times you say uh, he doesn't necessarily agree. Well, I mean, you know, when you start trying to persuade somebody of something, you know, it's going to be very rare that they suddenly look at you and go, by God, you're right. Right. Let me jump in with how, both feet. You know, how yeah. could I have been so blind and stupid? You know, right. you're absolutely right. You know, you're right. trying to get them move from the status quo. You know, they don't do that, right? No. You know, and I think an example I use in the synthesis is it comes from my time as a young lawyer where, you know, I was always trying to um, get juries to believe stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and, you know, I go try to get them hey, to believe 12 people. Up that a particular witness was incorrect because he was lying. Right. You know, and can't you see he's lying? Well, human beings don't want to believe that. Right. Right, they don't want to believe well, that. If they believe about other people, they have to believe about themselves, yeah, that's and that's right. not very right. comfortable. So, persuading somebody to agree with you that a witness is a liar is a lot more difficult than it is to move them a little bit and get them to agree that the man's mistaken. Sure. Right. That's a sure. that's a waypoint that you can get them to. Right. And with respect to trying a jury case, it gets you to the same place. Right. Because so all you need yeah, is doubt. All you got to do is doubt. Discredit this witness. Yeah. Right. Cast doubt upon his testimony. Right. Um, if he's a liar, then then fine. That's a big doubt cast. It's a sure. big shadow. But if he's just wrong, right, right which right. is possible, and then you can argue in closing and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I'm Bob. I'll tell you, I think he believes what he what he said. I have no no evidence. I don't know why I'm doing a spill clean right. voice. But <laughs> bottom line <laughs> is, he was a good attorney. Bottom line <laughs> is, his testimony is incorrect, right. and, and therefore you must disregard it. And there's that that seed of doubt then that is planted. They go, "Well, if he was mistaken about that, what else was he mistaken about?" That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that from old lawyers who wouldn't. You know, right. <laughs> wouldn't buy into your 
Well, no, they would way of doing it, right? They wouldn't bother trying to get the jury to agree with this huge thing. Right. Departure from the status quo when they can get them to move towards a little thing. Yeah. And that produces the it's, same uh, thing. It, it's kind of like the, the rail yard, right. you know, where the, the switch on the on the tracks only moves about an inch. Right. But it's over time. Right. You end up in, you know, St. Louis instead of Omaha, right? right. I mean, you know, it's because, but it's something that started way back. And, you know, same for me. And other things, and other people. It's like that's what that's why we talk about enthusiasts so much. Right. Because you're an enthusiast, you're, you know, you really believe in what you believe, and, and you get frustrated and angry. Yeah. So you start yelling at folks, but you know, frustration and anger doesn't work any more than tyrannical compulsion. It's similar, born of similar uh, motives. I think that's right. It gets you, kind of gets you the same place. So, um, uh, I give this illustration here um, that I've chosen um, that goes towards, uh, I call it global warming, but I guess you can call it climate change or whatever. Whatever you want. Right. So you just got three camps, right? Camp one in America is comprised of people absolutely believe in the premise of global warming, right? Yes. And and will defend it to the death. Yeah. Well, you know, they just believe. And yeah. they are, are willing to initiate some or all the full range of proposed movements that environmental, you know, so weather, the, climate the, enthusiasts would propose. Sure. We'll, we'll put solar on the house. We'll get an electric car. We'll do... Whatever you know, the thing windmills, is. Windmills. Yeah, you one, name it. You know, one sheet of paper, toilet paper. Right. You know, don't <laughs> eat meat. No, I mean, there's a million. No, no, right? I, you know? I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and Camp One yeah. believes that this, that, that it's it's so dire. Yeah. That all these things are are necessary and we got to start reversing that, and, we, and we're way behind. Right. Now, yeah. setting aside whether Camp One is right or not and just saying there is Camp One. Yes. Right? They're already persuaded. Right. Right. Yes. You know, Camp 2 is comprised of people who adamantly disagree with the premise of global yeah, warming. The other end of that stick. Right. And they're completely unwilling on principle. Right. Sometimes just because you said it is so. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they won't do anything. Yeah. Camp 3, which I think is potentially a bigger camp, you know, is people who are either undecided mm-hmm. about the existence of global warming, which has happened, happened to be where I dwell, mm-hmm. or disagree with it entirely. Sure. But, but they're still willing to move to some of the counteractive measures. Sure. You know, because they ain't bad, right? There's right. nothing wrong with lower, having a car gets better gas miles. No, not at all. And toilet e- paper thing I'm shaking out. Well, that's, uh, yeah. I, I will not. There's certain things I won't compromise. Yeah. Uh, but even if uh, even if driving the electric car doesn't reverse some sort of effect that I may or may not believe in, right. I certainly can look and go, well, you know, it can't be bad to create less, you know, sure. smog right. or exhaust or whatever. It can't right. be bad for me to get better gas mileage. It can't be bad, you know, or whatever, right? right. I mean, that's kind of the... That's right. The thing, yeah. So Camp 3, guys, you know, the problem is that uh, climate enthusiasts don't seem to be too willing to try to persuade us. Mm-hmm. You know, here I am willing to do it, but instead you say, because I won't agree with the premise that it exists because I'm unpersuaded right. about the premise, my incremental movement is not enough. Right. So I'm an earth hater or, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ne- knuckle dragon, denier, neophyte, you're you know, a yeah. troglodytic monk, you know? <laughs> Listen up, caveman. Well, you know, you're never going to get anybody to move if you call them stupid or a hater. Well, you'll or get a them racist. to move something, but it ain't going to be the way well, you want gonna, it. Well, they're you know, generally going to fight you. They're going to move in opposition right. to you. So I think right now in America, there's a heck of a lot more people who've moved from Camp 3 to Camp 2 simply because right. they're angry. Right. It, it has nothing to do with their belief or disbelief That's right. in this particular problem. Right. It simply is because I don't like you yelling at me like that. And That's I'm right. not going to tolerate it anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, Take take another thing. I don't want to get too political, but like um, you know, police uh, brutality. Sure. Um, you may not believe that there's a systemic problem. You, you might be that person. Right. You made that person, yeah. but you certainly believe that no one, regardless of color of their skin, should ever have their civil rights violated. Sure. I believe that in the depth of my heart. Right. 
But if you call me a racist, you know, because right. I won't agree that, you know, the, the that every cop is police, bad and wants to be turned around the right. head because you're black. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, you yeah. you know, um, you say that America is a race, racist nation and right. every person in it is a race. You know, say something like that. And I'm like, well, now you're missing your opportunity to persuade people. Yeah. And because I, you're, you're going too far the other way. You're going too far. You're going too far. The, well, what you're doing is you're you're declining to recognize the existence of Camp 3. The persuadables. Sure. Two movement. The, probably right? the largest part of the curve. That's right. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. You got the people who already agree. You got the people who will never agree. And you got the people in the middle who may someday agree, but in the interim will move. Yeah. They'll do something. That, and why don't you focus on them? So you take that to F3. And I, I hope what our ethic, our cultural ethic is that we preach is that, listen, you don't have to agree with us. Sure. About the every element of the Q source or, or the core principles. How about this? Would you agree that it would be better in your life if you were in marginally better shape today than you were yesterday? I mean, if you can get a guy to say yes and say, sure. then how about coming out to this workout with me? Yeah, just one day a well, week. That's all you're asking me to do? Yeah. yeah. Do I have to pray with you guys? Nope. No. You don't, right. you don't even have to pay for it. Do I have to buy an F3 shirt? Nope. nope. Do I have to put a sticker on my car? Nope. nope. You know, none of that stuff. I don't want to be part of a cult. Don't be. <laughs> how about working out with me? Right? Yeah. That's that's all. I'm not agreeing with anything you said. I'm good. Not, good. Yeah. <laughs> How about coming to work out? And not right? Jocko good, but actually that, good. That, that, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And if you attack problems, you know, and for me, I'm a, you know, a, a male leadership enthusiast, that to me seemed the best way to initiate incremental movement. It makes it real hard to disagree and to fight against because you're not fighting back. There's no defensiveness. Right. There's no, hey man, it, just, just try. Just move a little bit. Just try. Just move a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and the, the great thing about it is once you get an incremental movement, that turns to momentum yeah it's almost like a pendulum right that's right because there's sort you know if you all you need to do is just tap that thing a little bit and it'll start swinging right and then eventually it'll gain a little more and a little more and you have less and less taps you got to give it to get big swings and then you know kind of circling back to something we've always said which is a big part of who we are is that you know a lot of this is based on persuasion i mean Mm -hmm. i'm sorry proximity Proximity, you know it requires proximity yeah so you know my ability to persuade a guy in california well, you know, I like to think Limited. that some of the, you know, this podcast and other things might, somebody might, we might never meet, might hear it and, and get them thinking. Sure. Right. But I'm not really expecting so much to get them moving. If, if so, great. Um, it might. It might. But, but really it's, it, it would require a leader on the ground where they are to actually get that done. Right. You know, all we're really doing is kind of trying to set the path, build the road, as we say. I was just going to say, right. build a little road and, and plant right. a little seed and that kind of thing. Because right. the thing is, is when it's, as you say, in times of limited visibility right. and pain and chaos, all that kind of stuff, I'm not there to grab his hand and right. go, I got you, brother. Don't right. worry about it. That's right. Because if you really want to got to move at the end, you're going to have to be right there with him. And you have to tell him, I've been down the very road you're walking now. It doesn't have to be so dark and lonesome. You know, Franklin? Yes, sir. You got a face for radio. <laughs> Thankfully, this is a podcast. It is. is. Call you on the telephone. Won't you pick up the receiver? I've been down the very road you're walking now. It doesn't have to be so dark and lonesome. Takes a while, but we can figure this thing out. Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, 
the 43 feet out front. 